The thought of the cat's stare haunted him, and he was prey to all the heartache of parting. In leaving the cat, he had left behind wife, mother, and child. That's a quote from The Fat Cat, written in 1959 under the pen name Q. Patrick. Welcome to the Literary Cat Cast, a podcast that merges literature with cats. I'm your host, Phoebe Phillips. Q. Patrick was the collaborative name for two writers, Richard Wilson Webb, born 1901, died 1966, and writer Hugh Callingham Wheeler, born 1912, died 1987. The Webb-Wheeler collaborations used two other pen names, Jonathan Stagg and Patrick Quinton, although Q. Patrick was their primary and most famous pen name. They were famous writers at their time, associated with detective and mystery stories. One of their most famous characters was Peter Duluth. At one time, this author collaborative was called number one among American crime writers. Today, most Q. Patrick and Patrick Quentin writings have fallen into obscurity. Although part of the duo, Hugh Callingham Wheeler, wrote the book for the very popular musical Sweeney Todd. The Fat Cat is categorized as suspense. It wordplays on the childhood rhyme, The Fat Cat Set on the Mat. It follows a cat who follows a soldier through the jungle. As I read, pay attention to the recurring theme of a doormat. I found this story in an anthology titled Great Cat Tales, edited by Leslie O'Mara, copyright 1991, by Castle Books. So sit back and listen to this story that begins on a doormat and ends on a doormat. And now, I can hear my tea kettle, which means it's story time. And here's my cat, Tilly Sue, to tell us it's time for the cat cast. The Marines found her when they finally captured the old mission house at Fufa. After two days of relentless pounding, they hadn't expected to find anything alive there, least of all, a fat cat. And she was a very fat cat. Sandy is a Scotsman, with enormous agate eyes and a fat, amiable face. She sat there on the mat, or rather, what was left of the mat, in front of what had been the mission porch, licking her paws as placidly as if the shell-blasted jungle were a summer lawn in New Jersey. One of the men, remembering his childhood primer, quoted, The fat cat sat on the mat. The other men laughed. Not that the remark was really funny, but laughter broke the tension and expressed their relief at having last reached their objective after two days of bitter fighting. The fat cat, still sitting on the mat, smiled at them, as if to show she didn't mind the joke being on her. Then she saw Corporal Randy Jones, and for some reason, known only to herself, ran toward him as though he was her long-lost master. 
with a refrigerator purr. She weaved in and out of his muddy legs. Everyone laughed again as Randy picked her up and pushed his ugly face against the sleek fur. It was funny to see any living thing show a preference for the dour, solitary Randy. A sergeant flicking his fingers. Kitty, come here. We'll make you be company mascot. But the cat, perched on Randy's shoulders like a queen on her throne, merely smiled down majestically, as much as to say, You can be my subjects if you like, but this is my man, my royal consort. And never for a second did she swerve from her devotion. She lived with Randy, slept with him, ate only food provided by him. Almost every man in Company B tried to seduce her with caresses and morsels of canned ration, but all advances were met with a yawn of contempt. For Randy, this new love was ecstasy. He guarded her with the possessive tenderness of a mother. He combed her fur sleek. He almost starved himself to maintain her fatness. And all the time, there was a strange wonder in him, the homeliest and ungainliest of ten in a West Virginia mining family. He had never before aroused affection in man or woman. No one had counted for him until the fat cat. Randy's felicity, however, was short-lived. In a few days, B Company was selected to carry out a flanking movement to surprise and possibly capture the enemy's headquarters known to be 20 miles away through dense, sniper-infested jungle. The going would be rugged. Each man would carry his own supply of food and water and sleep in foxholes with no support from the base. The CO was definite about the fat cat. The stricken Randy was informed that the presence of a cat would seriously endanger the safety of the whole company. If it were seen following him, it would be shot on sight. Just before their scheduled departure, Randy carried the fat cat over to the mess of Company H, where she was enthusiastically received by an equally fat cook. Randy could not bring himself to look back at the reproachful stare, which he knew would be in the cat's agate eyes. But all through that first day of perilous jungle travel, the thought of the cat's stare haunted him, and he was prey to all the heartache of parting. In leaving the cat, he had left behind wife, mother, and child. Darkness, like an immense black parachute, had descended hours ago on the jungle when Randy was awakened from exhausted sleep. Something soft and warm was brushing his cheek, and his foxhole resounded to a symphony of purring. He stretched out an incredulous hand. This was no dream, real and solid. The cat was curled in a contented ball at his shoulder. His first rush of pleasure was chilled as he remembered his CO's words. The cat, spurning the blandishments of H Company's cuisine, had followed him through miles of treacherous jungle, 
only to face death the moment daylight revealed her presence. Randy was in an agony of uncertainty. To carry her back to the base would be desertion. To beat and drive her away was beyond the power of his simple nature. The cat nuzzled his face again and breathed a mournful meow. She was hungry, of course, after her desperate trek. Suddenly, Randy saw what he must do. If he could bring himself not to feed her, hunger would surely drive her back to the sanctuary of the cook. She meowed again. He shushed her and gave her a half-hearted slap. Ain't got nothing for you, honey. Scram. Go home. Scat. To his mingled pleasure and disappointment, she leapt silently out of the foxhole. When morning came, there was no sign of her. As B Company inched its furtive advance through the dense undergrowth, Randy felt the visit from the cat must have been a dream. But on the third night, it came again. It brushed against his cheek and daintily took his ear in its teeth. When it meowed, the sound was still soft and cautious, but held a pitiful quaver of beseechment, which cut through Randy like a Jap bayonet. On its first visit, Randy had not seen the cat, but tonight, some impulse made him reach for his flashlight. Holding it carefully downward, he turned it on. What he saw was the ultimate ordeal. The fat cat was fat no longer. Her body sagged. Her sleek fur was matted and mud-stained. Her paws torn and bloody. But it was the eyes blinking up at him that were the worst. There was no hint of reproach in them, only an expression of infinite trust and pleading. Forgetting everything but those eyes, Randy tugged out one of his few remaining cans of ration. At the sight of it, the cat weakly licked its lips. Randy moved to open the can. Then the realization that he would be signing the cat's death warrant surged over him. And because the pent-up emotion in him had to have some outlet, it turned into unreasoning anger against this animal whose suffering had become more than he could bear. Scat! he hissed. But the cat did not move. He lashed out at her with the heavy flashlight. For a second, she lay motionless under the blow. Then, with a little moan, she fled. The next night, she did not come back, and Randy did not sleep. On the fifth day, they reached really dangerous territory. Randy and another Marine, Joe, were sent forward to scout for the Jap Command headquarters. Suddenly, weaving through the jungle, they came upon it. A profound silence hung over the glade with its two hastily erected shacks. Peering through the dense foliage, they saw traces of recent evacuation. Waste paper scattered on the grass, a pile of fresh garbage, a Jap army shirt flapping on a tree. Outside one of the shacks under an awning stretched a rough table strewn with the remains of a meal. They must have got wind of us and scrammed, breathed Joe. 
Randy edged forward, then froze, as something stirred in the long grasses near the door of the first shack. As he watched, the once fat cat hobbled out into the sunlight. A sense of heightened danger warred with Randy's pride that she had not abandoned him. Stiff with suspense, he watched it disappear into the shack. Soon it padded out. No japs, said Joe. That cat'd have raised him sure as shootin'. He started boldly into the glade. Hey, Randy, there's a whole chicken on that table. Chicken's going to taste good after K-ration. He broke off, for the cat had seen the chicken too, and with pitiful clumsiness had leapt onto the table. With an angry yell, Joe stooped for a rock and threw it. Indignation blazed in Randy. He'd starved and spurned the cat, and yet she'd followed him with blind devotion. The chicken surely should be her reward. In his slow, simple mind, it seemed the most important thing in the world for his beloved to have her fair share of the booty. The cat, seeing the rock coming, lumbered off the table just in time, for the rock struck the chicken squarely, knocking it off its plate. Randy leapt into the clearing. As he did so, a deafening explosion made him drop to the ground. A few seconds later, when he raised himself... There was no table, no shack, nothing but a blazing wreckage of wood. Dazedly, he heard Joe's voice. Booby trap under that chicken. Gee, if that cat hadn't jumped for it, I wouldn't have hurled the rock. We'd have grabbed it ourselves and we'd be in heaven now. His voice dropped to an awed whisper. That cat, I guess it's blown to hell, but it saved our lives. Randy couldn't speak. There was a constriction in his throat. He lay there, feeling more desolate than he'd ever felt in his life before. Then from behind came a contented purr. He spun round. Freakishly, the explosion had hurled a crude rush mat out of the shack. It had come to rest on the grass behind him. And seated, serenely on the mat, the cat was smiling at him. The Literary Cat Cast is dedicated to the preservation of vintage books and writings with cats as main characters, bringing their awareness into the modern form of a podcast. This episode is recorded in my Dallas studio during the quarantine of 2020. It's a time of sadness and a time of reflection for almost everybody in the world. I would like to recommend my book, Why Me? positive verse for loss and sadness. It was originally written at the request of the Dallas chapter of the American Red Cross and later used nationwide as 4,000 paper copies were distributed by their emergency response vehicles, 
written for children. It also speaks to adults. It's available in two formats, English language only, or in a combo of English and Spanish on the same page. You may find it on Amazon. Just type in my name and the book title, Why Me? My personal recommendation is the hardcover, because it's a much prettier book. You may find me on all social media under my name. And you can see the cats on Instagram at the literary catcast podcast underscore cats. And also our icon cat at Herald of God. Now hang on for the final meow. I'm Phoebe Phillips. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.